Hello and welcome to the Modern Poetry in Translation podcast. I'm Claire Pollard, the editor. I'm very pleased to be introducing this podcast as part of our digital Estonian pamphlet entitled, and this is one word, Silence, 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 in collaboration with the British Council as part of the Baltic Countries London Book Fair Market Focus for 2018. We've got some marvels in this pamphlet, which I hope you're going to enjoy reading, including a really beautiful essay by Philip Gross, who has Estonian heritage, about silence in Estonian poetry and the difficulties of translating Estonian into English, given our distrust of the ineffable and the word soul. There's also a searing poem on the same theme by Catelyn Kalbmer, The Rape of Silence, which our title comes from. And there's some new poems by... FS, I think you call him. His name's just a lowercase F and an S, or maybe it's um, a really interesting Estonian poet I've been following for a while. Um, quite mysterious figure. And also a new poet for me called Matura. The pamphlet also includes a translation chosen from our recent online translation workshop. Just to tell you a bit about that, the poet Maria Kangro gave us some beautiful poems for the spring issue, which were translated by Rachel Long and were absolutely stunning, particularly one called Bones, you're going to hear later. It takes as its starting point the reburial of Maria Under in Estonia in 2015. Many consider her Estonia's greatest poet, but she died in exile in Sweden and was originally buried there. As Maria Under is not widely translated into English, we asked Maria Kangro to set a workshop on one of Under's poems. Kangro's first choice, a sinister 80-line ballad about a skin merchant, which sounds just my kind of thing, was sadly a bit long, so she chose this 1935 poem, Orb, instead, whose title she roughly translates as Orphan. It's an interesting poem for lots of reasons, not least because it's ambiguous in all sorts of ways, with Estonian not even having a gender in the personal pronouns. We're now going to hear Maria read the original version of Orphan. Maria under orb Maadligi vetligi maja Külg pidi sees Laeni täis lainete kaja Kajakad läbeis Orb oma ainsema lamba Õhtul koju tõi mäelt All poiste pilava kamba Kinni pidades häält Istus ja nutis siis hilja Jalgadel merevaht, küpsed ruugavad vilja, õimist palmikud kaht. Viires ka süüdista nime, kuu kuldas lainetel tee, ühtaegu valge ja pime, kaelastal loogude kee. Maadligi vetligi maja, külg pidi seest, laeni täis lainete kaja, pisarad läbe ees. Our online workshop generated many marvellous new versions of this. Maria Kangro said in her notes, in some versions, the orphan was referred to as a child, motherless, or with no parents calling hello. In others, not necessarily, and would seem a young lady. The house or shack, shanty, croft, shelter was sometimes crouching, sometimes praying, kneeling, kissing the water, stooping to taste the seawater. In one case, it had been transformed into a body with an arm askew. This, though, is the translation that she picked out as her favourite by Scottish poet Christine De Luca, read here by the translator herself in, I should say in advance, her chosen target language, Shetlandic. The orphan, whose camel bent to water, 
Wa abet faan, valt the wave echoes to rafter, gut wea hansle maas. Kadi hersel, braucht her one lam heim for the hull of the mark. Keepin her kunsel, she sold the gadrio lads with her smirks. Setter and gret to the darkening, froded her fit for the clets. Riding her hair, and then braiding deep golden corn o'er plates. Was the turk that cried her, moonlight a gluster on swell, light common and gyan together glinks on her necklet of dull. Who's cummled o'er, bent to water, wa abut fan, felt wa wave echoes to rafter, gut wa a hansel o' tears. Maria said of this in her notes, her translation is powerful, crisp and essential, sticking to the original imagery and reproducing convincingly the original's dactylic song-like rhythm, and of course, giving the poem an enchanting Shetlandic flow. While some translators succumb to the temptation of rendering the language even more figurative, De Luca's version wonderfully avoids embellishments. She has succeeded to make her intermittent rhymes appear to occur naturally. And then, of course, come the more subjective and imaginative reasons. The enthralling, charmingly rough, almost Nordic sound of Shetlandic that easily evokes images of a nearly abandoned coastal landscape. I must admit, I was glad the Shetlandic version was so good, as I certainly feel some cultural solidarity with a poet writing in a minority language. Maria's notes there, thank you. We'd like to pick out another few versions for honourable mentions too. Our team shortlisted ambitious rhyming versions by Hilary Bird, Galnia Usova and Ewan Smith. And I like the clarity of Ginny Saunders' version. She wept to the dark, plaiting her corn-coloured hair over, under, waves caressed her feet. Also, the last verse of Leonardo Boyk's version. House kissed the ground, water a slipping wall overflows with the roar of the sea, tears at the door. And we're going to end now with a recording of the poem that started this whole project, translated by Rachel Long and read by the poet Maria Cangro at the Poetry Library and British Council's event World Poets Series Baltic Poets in London at the Southbank Centre in March, where we launched our spring issue. I hope you enjoy it. Bones for my lover on the occasion of the reburial of Maria Under. One, I'd like to eat you. I'm not sure how metaphoric this is because from a slight wound I'd certainly lick the blood. For anything deeper I'd take you to an emergency room call 112 once it dawned. Oh God, of Goya's Saturn, this is tasteless. I'd let you grow back whole like the liver of Prometheus without trauma or memory, and yet at my wrist the mosquito grows red, but can't reach my substance. Though no one can say it's impossible to really eat someone. Two, she's dead, you said. Oh, poor Maria, she's bones, 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 bones. They say the soil is radiating differently now vibrating under our feet. Glorious bodies, the shining skeleton, are swimming in the shining soil, 
authenticity, authenticity. They say this is how she wanted it, that she had something of a fetish for soil with certain coordinates. I don't know, I'm sorry, uh, it's how they link you in a chain of significance. But if it's not you anymore, then who is it? Who links this all up? They say Abelard's skeleton spread its arms to embrace Eloise's corpse and would have punched any other. Free. The bones are always national, the body a homeland fetish. The handsome war poet once said, bitten by a mosquito, poisoned by the bite, death by poisoning. If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England. Hey, Rupert, Rupert, come on. For I'm wondering why the name wasn't enough to rebury itself. Maria is a beautiful name, surname name, in that order, like Hayes Dolores. Yes, when I see your name captured like that, confined to a list, I see the flesh beginning to grow on it, the veins, sinews, blood. Her name has curves and thick-set bones. You can almost fuck it, almost. The blood rises in number sequence. Five. Luca showed me the osariums once. There was a slight snow that day. Some skulls had noble features, several teeth left. In Padua, we saw the speech organs of St. Anthony, brownish fibers in the cathedral. Buddha's tooth is in Singapore, he said. But we didn't go to Singapore. Jesus' sweat is everywhere. Fetish is but a recording, a simple potential Magic for the blind future, laying fatal eggs that we must study. Six, a flag is flapping, the glorious body collapses. Seven, do you think Maria would have watched me take photos of the corpses in Varanasi, the remains of priests rotting, buttocks up, floating down the Ganges? I used to watch them to strengthen my idea of humanity, my humanism, my taste. With Maria, we would have relished Bill Viola, the Zen elopement, an already beautiful body vanishing into a beautiful substance, fire or water. Eight. We will never grow national bones. I'm playing with your clavicle. I'm an unimportant person, little man. In my wallet, there is a card. If I am killed, science can cut me to pieces, make use of what is profitable. The bones usually aren't. I am trivial, I desired your T-shirt, and if somebody had poured petrol over it, then, oh, how dense and sad the singularity. It's tough, fetishizing the unimportant. Without cavities, it doesn't rattle, but smolders. Nine. I almost start to like myself this way, in a singularity of burning sadness, the shaky piece of a fetishist. Don't underestimate Narcissus. It's not clear what he saw in the water. 10. A golden green horsefly walks across the meat. The ribcage rises and sinks. Thank you. Thank you.